Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good afternoon, Austin, Texas, live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so today we have a lot going on. There's breaking news coming out of the University of Texas. Uh, we have uh, apparently there was a, a guy allegedly going around UT with a blanket on exposing themselves to some lady. But then when the police showed up, Austin police could not find a victim, nor could they find the so-called suspect. So we'll see what happens with that as that story develops, because an alert went out to all the UT students at 2 p.m. this afternoon, saying that, hey, there's someone running around the campus with a blanket or something on, and it was actually assaulting a young lady. So we'll see what happens with that. Also, we have in the studio John Griffin. He's a former editor with The Daily Caller. Got some breaking news for you, so we'll see what John has to tell us. Also, we're going to talk about Chicago's. A lot going on in Chicago. Apparently, there's a serial rapist out of Chicago. Also, got a little story for you about a college student that was raped. We're going to talk about how she was able to escape her rapist. Got all that for you and more. But first, let me welcome my guest, former editor Daily Caller, John Griffin. How you doing, sir? Michael, it's always a pleasure. How you doing today? Outstanding. So what have you been up to? How's your holidays? Well, New Year's holidays, uh, full of work as usual. And uh, while Trump's president, things are getting better, but we've still got a lot to fix. Go Trump! <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And uh, you, you got some breaking news for us. Well, my my breaking news is actually old news that was told wrong the oh. first time by the mainstream media. Shocker, right? Okay. Uh, Sutherland Springs shooting, it turns out, had a couple more wrinkles. And uh, I brought someone with us today uh, who is a former retired Army uh, special agent. Um, and he's actually got expertise in this area. And he, he's got some uh, some new analysis that might change our understanding of what happened that day. All right. So Sutherland Springs, that's the uh, the church shooting that happened just right. outside of San Antonio in Sutherland Springs, Texas. And where a guy that was was in the military, I guess he was in the Air Force, right? Uh, they, they wiped his records. Uh, Air Force doesn't have a habit of losing records. That's a pretty typical thing to happen, though, when you have black ops. Wow. So uh, they, we don't know who he was entirely, and that's partly because so much is missing. 
Hmm. Uh, but yes, he was Air Force. Okay. And so uh, that's when the, the guy walked into a church and just pretty much shot everyone inside the church. That's right. And in full tactical gear with clear presence of mind, calm, cool, collected, the kind of calm, cool, and collected you'd expect from a trained uh, assassin or black ops or special ops guy. So really, this is where I approached Ron uh, because I, I don't want to you know, chase rabbits and assume something is more than it is. But there, there clearly is some stuff here that was missed by the media. Okay. So we'll hope, we hope that uh, Ron can enlighten us today. And tell us about Ron. Uh, Ron is a retired uh, special agent with the Department of the Army with 23 years of executive law enforcement experience. He has a dual master's at Homeland Security and Forensics. Okay. And uh, I can let Ron tell you more about himself. Too, All right, know. Ron, welcome to come and talk it, sir. Hey, a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. So, Ron, you know, what's going on with Southern Springs? Well, John and I have been talking about Sutherland Springs, and and there's some things that uh, that that I think they're they're not quite looking at. Um, you know, based off of my experience, when you're dealing with revenge shootings or revenge killings, you know, typically it's the wife, it's the girlfriend, and and maybe the kids. Um, but the fact that they he went into the church and systematically executed intentionally uh, generations of a family shows that there might be something more to that. Mm. Um, it's just inconsistent with with patterns uh, that you see in in revenge type shootings, based in my experience. Because we're talking an entire family here, correct? Uh, that was wiped out, and that was what was the family's name? The Holcombs, I believe, and it was three generations of the family and nine people, including the unborn child, all told. Oh wow. Okay. Now, the way I understand this shooting, though, the guy, uh, apparently he was supposedly looking for the parents of his ex-wife. And then he just, the rest of those people that was just there, they would just, they just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, right place, wrong time. Um, and so he just went down aisle to aisle and just shot everyone that was there. Yeah, it's the indiscriminate nature um, that leads itself to, you know, some type of indication that it could be some sort of cover up. But one thing that's absent is you really need to look at the uh, the, the wound characteristics of the people that were shot to determine whether it was, you know, an intentional, you know, inflicted gunshot or if it was just an incidental sh- uh, gunshot from a stray bullet. Uh, so there's a lot of forensic analysis that should be applied to this also. But, you know, based off of my years of experience, you, you can't you have to look at everything. And I think they pigeonholed themselves into a theory uh, that became a conclusion based off of some of the pressure that was coming out of out of the community and uh, law enforcement and government agencies. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, sometimes you get tunnel vision. Okay. Um, sometimes if you go into an investigation um, with a um, uh, predisposed decision, then that's where you go. Uh, it's hard sometimes to take a step back, as, especially as a, su- a supervisor or as the lead investigator and just take a holistic approach to everything. Um, so what I what we do or what I would do is I would look at every possible theory until it's proven otherwise. And I don't think they've done that. OK, so what theory do you think they have not tested out? Well, again, that it was a it was a uh, um, um, an intentional uh, act um, and, and possibly an execution. A, a execution towards two. Uh, I'll take that one. I think uh, in I think what he's trying to say, and he's being very careful, as you would expect someone with his years here. of experience <laughs> to do. I'll, I can be more cynical and more direct because uh, I'm a polemicist. Is what I do. Okay. I think it was a hit, and it's a hit be, based on the fact that uh, three generations of a single family 
were clearly singled out, targeted, and killed that day. Uh, the the uh, stray bullet analysis aspect that Ron mentioned is crucial if you if you are going to claim that it was an indiscriminate, senseless killing and massacre by a crazy person. No, he's clearly not crazy. He was calm, cool, collected. He didn't expect to die that day, meaning the killer. He was making phone calls up to up to the last minute. Uh, this is a guy that's very good at what he does. So then when you consider who else was killed, a handful of people were killed, probably as Ron, I think, is saying, to make it look like an indiscriminate massacre. Okay, so let me back up now because uh, this church actually aired their their church worship service online. It was on uh, – it's on YouTube. So explain that portion of it because with this being on YouTube – you know, he would have known, he should have known if he's done any research that everything that he did when he walked into that church was going to be on camera. Uh, that's, Ron, do you want to take that? I haven't seen the YouTube video. Hey, I would, I would just say, objectively speaking, that someone with his background, and he did have, uh, he did have intelligence training, it looked like from what we can put piece together, what they're allowing us to see, that the classes he was taking with the Air, Air Force would have predisposed him towards this type of work. Now, why do you say he has um, uh, his background? Is um... his, his background was discussed by NBC, by Fox affiliates. It's all there. People can Google it. Uh, I don't remember specifically, but he was taking you know the special ops training courses and things that would not have been uh, on his menu, so to speak, had he been going a direction that was uh, normal and uh, upstanding. So he was he was already, as far as we can tell, going that direction. Everything else has been wiped, of course, okay. from servers. We, we've lost it, quote unquote. But uh, the, you mentioned the YouTube video, Michael. I think with that, you have to understand that someone who is trained, who is a trained, cold-blooded assassin, they don't care about that. In fact, the video and the attention it got was probably something that he wanted. So I, I don't know if we can make those kinds of determinations. What we can determine is that this was not as accidental, as happenstance, or as crazy as uh, the media said it was. Okay. What do you guys think? So you're saying that this guy is basically an assassin and was potentially targeting the family or someone in the family? Yes. I mean, he certainly has a training and the capability to do that. Do you think that well, – I'm just reaching here, but was it uh, something that he wanted or someone else sent him? Well, do? and that's what we just don't know, and that's one of the problems with pigeon, pigeonholing your investigation towards a, towards a specific conclusion. You know, um, you need, sometimes you, need, you just need to step back and look at all the theories until they're proven otherwise, and I think this is one of the theories that they have not proven otherwise. So it could be something like Manchurian candidate style <laughs> potentially – uh, knowing the frogs aren't gay, uh, but I, uh, we all love Alex Jones here, Alex, if you're listening. Uh, but I definitely uh, would just say to your point there, we simply haven't done scientific method. We've accepted what we're trying to prove, what we hope is true, because it's easier and it's way less messy. And Texas just wants to get on and move on from the tragedy. So you can bet that there's nothing sinister necessarily. It's just organizational laziness. And when one person with a you know with influence or power in law enforcement decides to be lazy there's a trickle down effect ron what do you think no i concur wholeheartedly absolutely we well, yes, think okay so from the forensic side what you're saying is 
with the bullet, with the, the wounds, it looks like intentional kill shots with the family versus the others look like stray bullets or it could just be not an intentional kill shot. It's just they got shot at. Well, I haven't, I haven't seen the forensics, but, you know, ha, ha, being a, you know, having a master's of forensics, a fellow of forensic medicine and uh, teaching forensics and uh, a member of the American Academy of Forensic Sciences, I, I know a little bit about forensics, you could say. But one thing we have to look at are the wounds, and I have not had a chance to see all the forensic uh, autopsy reports, but certain wounds uh, provide certain characteristics um, and help us give us an, uh, an idea of whether it was a grazing wound, uh, whether it was a, uh, which would indicate maybe it was a, um, a stray bullet as to opposed to a close contact or, or, or medium contact type injury. Um, and those are all the things that would help us understand um, what was going through his mind uh, at the time of the at the time of the shooting? And have you seen anything motive wise that, or possibly motive wise, that there could be for it? I I have not seen anything motive wise, and I think that's that's one of the things that they need to do a better of uh, job of in the investigation. Uh, Michael, if I may, uh, I would just say that on motives, there's a clear uh, organizational. Uh, focus on gun control all over the country right now and on justifying gun control. There were so many hashtag uh, wars fought right after this tragedy by people on the left coast saying things like, we, we're so sorry for your loss, but gun control. You know, it's cynical, it's unfeeling, and that's really where I think you can find motive. Whether the motive went all the way down to this killer, I don't think any of us can determine that. He's dead now. It's kind of hard to ask questions of a dead man, and I doubt he would have given us answers anyway. Well, I'm asking you, have you seen anything that from the family, looking at the family's history? That's not something I'm willing to comment on here because they were a prominent Texas family. That can be determined just with a few Googles. Okay. Uh, but their prominence, certainly, I would look at and encourage everyone to consider as a possible uh, factor. Hmm. Okay, we're talking about the Sutherland Springs shooting. We're also going to talk about a serial rapist in Chicago and also the sexual assault that happened uh, allegedly on the University of Texas campus today. Uh, we have uh, inside the studio the, the former editor of The Daily Caller. And the update from the UT, well, update from the Austin Police Department is UT Austin police have called off uh, the investigation of the assault near West Campus. We're talking about that and more. We come back. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace. This is Mark Toure. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. Sound off on the news of the day with the Talk Poll. Online at Talk1370.com. Talk1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. Okay, we're back and we're talking about the University of Texas campus, also in Chicago. There's a serial rapist going around in Chicago. Go figure that. And it's been happening for quite a while. Uh, about 75 women have been strangled or smothered in Chicago since 2001. And most of their killers go away. 
have gotten away, actually. Uh, so gotten away. So we'll see what happens there. We'll get into that a little bit. Also, we have inside the studio, we have the former editor of The Daily Caller. And we're talking about the Sutherland Springs shootings. But let's go to Hawaii. Sunny Hawaii. I tell you, it's beautiful out there today. The sun, the sun is out, not a cloud in the sky. Just imagine if you were, for an example, driving down I-35 or you're on slow pack. And all of a sudden you see the alert messages, uh, the little billboards and also on the radio and also in your cell phone. It goes alert. You literally have how many seconds, how many minutes? Because there's an incoming missile from Korea. Imagine that. People would literally. I, you know what? As a matter of fact, I can't even say the S word. I have to say the S word. I can't say the S word. I have to, I have to say S hole. It's like twenty six times in an hour. Unfortunately, yeah. we're not CNN, so we're not on CNN. We're not that liberal station. We're actually on a conservative standard radio here, station, right? yeah. and we can't use that type of word. So we have to say the S word. So imagine that. And being from Hawaii. What is that like? Because you live there and they, they tested the system out. So what what exactly happens when that alert goes out? Well, I've never seen an alert like that before, obviously. You've seen I, a text I, message, uh, yeah. like a test. I mean, in, in, in Hawaii, they have a way they can communicate with you through different alerts like that. Okay. That, that obviously, the ballistic missile one, that was, I'm sure, clearly something reserved for extreme situations. And it's honestly the biggest mistake I can ever think of in my entire life in, in any context. Why do you say that? I mean, it's just, I mean, and my my sister told me that the moment she got the alert, she was like, this cannot be real. We're dead. And she, but she went on Google and, you know, and if there's no information online, but uh, our, our neighbor actually came to our house and was talking to my sister and she was scared. Uh, and then I guess it was just 10 or 15 minutes later that they uh, got like the, the follow up. Oops, oops, my bad. Someone hit the wrong button. Yeah. But and, and, and my sister wasn't especially scared. But I know that there there were some neighbors that were actually grabbing stuff and running to caves. I mean, if it's, a, if it's a nuclear bomb, like what do you do? Like hide in your closet? Oh, you're I, I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Duck yeah. and cover. Uh, <laughs> yeah. John Griffin. Daily Call it. Uh, I have a different take on this. Uh, Frankly, I think there's a very strong chance that this is this was a real uh, missile, and it was probably what the Chinese did in 2010 when I broke the mystery missile off the coast of Los Angeles story. 30 miles out, Obama was negotiating in China at the time, and Jim Cash, who's the former general and director of NORAD under Reagan and Bush, in an interview told me that this was a Chinese sea-launched ballistic missile test to see kind of you know where our defenses were how we re- respond, and it was almost a warning uh, while Obama was in China negotiating and he was being unfavorable to them. So that we do have a real risk. This could have happened. I'm not exactly sure Hawaii should relax because it's only a matter of time before they could say aloha to a real missile from North Korea. And how many minutes does that give you when that alert goes uh, out? Usually five minutes is the response time the president has, so do the math, a lot less for the average person. Wow, so you just literally have five minutes or less to say goodbye to your loved ones. Well, five minutes you mean for him to, 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 to launch decide what his yes weapon. About yeah. 10, 15 minutes usually, for it to depending on the, yeah, if it's an intermediate or if it's a long range. Wow. Yeah. How's that feel, being from Hawaii? Uh, feels no bueno. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I if mean, they repeat Pearl Harbor, uh, Hawaii should sue. <laughs> yeah. Why do you say that? Uh, because there should only be a disaster like that in a in a, uh, a place as beautiful as Hawaii at least one time. I don't think there should be a second or third. 
Yeah. Yeah. It would just be wrong. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's crazy. Now, did you hear this story out of uh, Illinois? Let's go back to Chicago. Let's get into Chicago a little bit. Uh, an Illinois AG candidate was robbed at gunpoint in Chicago doing a campaign photo shoot. Now, that is just hilarious to me. <laughs> that's just hilarious, you know? What party was he? Uh, he was a Democrat. Does it, even matter, does it matter nowadays? Why are you guys laughing at that? So we probably know his stance on gun control then. <laughs> They're like, well, well you know, yeah, he's a Democrat, so they were definitely unarmed. I guess he didn't have security either, <laughs> so I don't know what's going on there. But, yeah, he was robbed at gunpoint doing a campaign photo shoot. The AG. The AG. That says a lot. An AG candidate. Well, apparently, in in, in all fairness... There are quite a few people that are actually running uh, in that spot, so he wasn't. He's not the only. He's not the head candidate or the lead candidate or anything like that. But that's just that's pretty funny. If that doesn't change your mind on gun control, you're probably proof that evolution was not real. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, also um, in Chicago, you have uh, there's a report coming out where you had 75 women have been strangled or smothered in Chicago since 2001. So basically, for more than 10 years. Um, Members still look for the man they believe strangled this, for example, this 22-year-old and left her in a muddy lot in the shadow of the Stevenson Expressway. And this has been going on for quite a while, and they they haven't caught anyone. Um, We have a lot of women that are just gone missing. And, you know, maybe they found their bodies. Maybe they, I guess the majority of them, they found their bodies. And they haven't caught this bad guy or bad guys at all. Or, you know. Well, when only the criminals have guns. And it's a staggering number, you know, according to the executive director of the Chicago Alliance Against Sexual Exploitation. It is odd, she says, it is odd how easy it is to disrupt people's sense of comfort when a large number of people are killed at once. It is likewise upsetting to realize how, if you spread out over a long period of time, how injured people are to the murdering of women, particularly marginalizing women. Are they easy victims when they're not armed? They should be. And you're right. They, sh- you know, hey, you know, you got to you have to take your own personal safety in your own hands. You can't listen to these people like Cox, not Glocks at University of Texas. Uh, this Anna Lopez and these other people. Um, I can't even think of the other young lady's name uh, where they're trying to convince women. Oh, you know, just carry a dildo. And then, you know, maybe that'll lead you to the path of righteousness. I, ha- I haven't seen this story at all, but is the is the presumption that there's 75 different rapes or sexual assaults and it was all perpetrated by the same person? Uh, no, they're not saying that, but at least 75 women have been strangled or smothered in the city since 2001. The earliest year that crime reports on the slayings were publicly available. Many of them struggled with drugs or prostitution, making them particularly vulnerable to predators on the street. So some had no arrest records at all. 25 of the cases have been closed with the arrest of 13 men. Some of them changed with more than one murder. Now that leaves 67 percent still unsolved. The police department would not say if there are active suspects in those cases, but officials reviewed more than a dozen of them after they were contacted by the Tribune, the Chicago Tribune, that is, and have referred three to cold case detectives. So they're trying to, you know, open those cases back up a little bit. What do you think? I'm afraid just discussing this is going to lead to more like moral panic around this country. Why? Let's discuss it. I just think that there's, like, every time I see the news, like, you know, and coming up, you know, two teens raped. It's just kind of like, 
there's there's this real emphasis in the media nowadays on sexual assault and women are victims and you know every second when you're a woman is like being burned alive and i think that that's not the best narrative maybe to to tote not that i think you discussing that story right now is doing that but it's just it, I, I've never in my life seen so much media on on sexual assault and specifically the victimization of women as I, as I have the last couple of years. And I think eventually it's not empowering women. And I think I said this last week, but I think it kind of just starts to create a culture of fear. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to chime in as a woman, if you guys don't mind. Um, so for those of you listening that can't see me, I am four foot eight. So, you know, when I read things in the news and hear things on the news about about these, you know, these this serial rapist and, and all of these horrible assault situations, it makes you feel the, the word that comes to mind is powerless. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Gun rights are women's rights, because, you know, when you're four foot eight and maybe not the strongest person around, you know, what puts the power, you know, back in your hands is firing a gun. Uh, whenever this is going Ooh, on. Preach, and- girl, preach. <laughs> Well, you know, you, you feel like you don't have control over your own life when there are all these assailants roaming the streets in, you know, and that's, of course, bigger in places like Chicago, which has some of the strongest gun control regulations in the country. And, you know, when you want to feel powerful again, buy a gun, fire a gun, yeah. arm yourself. You know, studies have been done in Texas and fewer women in Texas who carry are uh, targeted for uh, that type of assault uh, or are victims of it. And that's, I think, a direct result of our gun laws. Do you carry, Jesse? Because at some point, you should refuse to be a victim, but go ahead. I mean, just think about Janai's story. She's not here today, but right. I'll play Janai for a minute. You know, she feels more powerful. She feels protected when she's jogging. Raise your, we voice, all know, raise your voice a little higher. I, I can always raise my voice higher. I can, Actually, I can put some fake Drop your voice right a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she, she feels better, especially if anyone who knows her story, you know, she went through a horrific experience and feels safer with a firearm. She is protected now. Hmm, absolutely. Well, I'm sitting here as a law enforcement professional, and I'm, I'm trying, looking at what Chicago is or is not doing. And if you look at the national backlog of sex assault evidence collection kits and the fact that they're not being processed and the subject's DNA being indexed in code as the criminal offender uh, DNA identification system, I wonder how much that has hampered their their investigation. But I can guarantee two things. If Chicago allowed the their citizens to carry guns, it would cut down on the number of rapes. Um, but just hearing what you're talking about, uh, uh, the types of rapes that are happening, number one is the perpetrator typically does this because of power. Mm. But there's enough similarities in those sex assaults, those rapes, to lend itself to uh, the credibility of a serial rapist. Go, go ahead. I was just going to say, as a female who does carry, I never feel like I'm going to be a victim. I feel sorry for anyone who tries to mess with me. And to live in a state where you're not allowed to carry and not allowed to protect yourself, I mean, that is a reason in and of itself to leave, let alone the snow. Well, and guns are used, according to the Department of Justice, uh, two times, and sometimes uh, the ratio is higher. Uh, For every one time they're used in the commission of a violent crime, they're used two to three times in self-defense. That's that's the whole ballgame, folks. And it's funny you mentioned the rape kits because here, even in Austin— you know, there's a backlog of the rape kits where they haven't, you know, actually tested those kits at all. So there's, there's a problem in, with most police departments in this country. Well, it, it, and the bottom line is it comes down to money. You know, those agencies have to pay for them. And, you know, and the sad part is as as a former administrator, I, 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 I didn't have to worry about that within Department of Defense. We just did it automatically. Uh, but I also recognize that, you know, whether uh, if I was, a, you know, the sheriff of a county or the chief of police of a large city, 
uh, that money comes out of taxpayer money. And if I've got a finite amount of dollars, then I've got to look at where it's best spent. Right. And, 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 I, and as a libertarian in the room, I want to say that, thank God, we got a new bill passed this last session, which allows crowdfunding to pay for those rape kits. Mm-hmm. So if people want to go out there and create organizations, get them tested, or a woman's been through an experience and she wants to create a crowdfunding to go get it paid for, make sure it gets tested, make sure people know about it. Get the word out there. So now there's no excuse, in other words, if our public officials say, oh, sorry, we just can't catch up. We know it's uh, it's bull. Yes. Yeah, no, I'd say, I'd say get a gun and you don't need a rape kit. So that's just between me and you and the fence post. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely a problem, and it's a problem with funding from the city council, city manager. So that's more in the city of Austin, not the Austin Police Department, because I think the Austin Police Department, when it comes to trying to do their job, they're trying to do their job with the best that they have to work with. So that that's going to be on the city of Austin's. Um, they're the city mayor, uh, city, they, the council members. That's their problem when it comes to making sure we get that funding to the Austin Police Department to take care of that. I do not know any law enforcement professional who would not want to be fully funded to investigate or to analyze every one of those kits. Exactly. And I think you're right. It goes to the city government, whether it's the county commissioners or, you know, the city boards to fully fund uh, those agencies to to analyze those kits. Right. And, and, and the problem is uh, they're spending resources on, you know, we're sanctuary cities. They're so focused on spending their resources on legal fees for people that are actually illegal and then – actually spending their money to make sure that license holders can't carry in City Hall and defending that ridiculous case to the point that now the city of Austin is looking at a bill of $7.3 million they're going to have to pay out because they do not want license holders to carry in Austin City Hall. $7.3 million. Ask your city council members about that. Ask your mayor about the $7.3 million they're going to pay because they do not want license holders to carry in a government building. I can guarantee for that $7.3 million as a law enforcement professional, I could get eliminate that backlog. Absolutely. Uh, we come back from the break. We're going to talk about this little story out of um, this young lady who actually was abducted. And she was put in the back of her car and she was raped, kidnapped, everything. And she's going to – I'm going to read a story about how she was able to get away. We come back from the break. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Jack Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. You've made the right choice. Talk 1370. Little boxes on the hillside. Little boxes made of ticky-tacky little boxes on the hillside. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're going to talk about this little story of a young lady who was a college student. And she happened to, she is a college student, she happened to escape after she was allegedly kidnapped and raped. Um, and I don't know what it is about this little movement that's going around with the uh, the Cox Knot Glocks and passing out dildos. But as we you know, we're starting to get alerts now, more alerts. Well, we did not have this last year. We didn't have this the year before alerts of women that are being sexually assaulted on UT campus. This is not something that was normal to get an alert message through the system that there was some type of sexual assault. But now we're having this and. 
you know, I'm wondering, you know, so do you think this has something to do with, you know, campus carry? Does it have something to do with... Uh, Don't forget about the murder that happened. Yeah. Does it have anything to do with, you know, Cox not Glocks and giving, you know, these ladies this false sense of security of saying, hey, you know, carry a dildo or, you know, putting a dildo in your backpack. What does that do to you? Walking around the campus with <laughs> a dildo in your backpack. <laughs> you're, what kind of message does that send? That you're, you're you know... Just to clarify, you're saying Cox, you know what I'm, Do you know what I'm talking about? Not Glocks. Because you're, you're looking confused. The, the Cox, oh, the Cox, yeah. Well, I can think of one message that a dildo sends, and uh, <laughs> it's not respectful to women. In fact, uh, any, anybody who would buy that premise as being a way to respect yourself, if you were a woman and you bought that, you probably also bought the shake weight and thought it had nothing to do with, uh, well, what it has everything to do with. <laughs> They would actually be helpful. Where are they getting them? Oh, well, someone's actually giving them away for free. Uh, they're they're getting them on the UT campus, and they're you know uh, encouraged to walk around the campus with them on their backpacks and stuff. So let that soak in for a few minutes. I do just want to repeat what I said last week. I don't <laughs> understand why self defense weapons and owning something along the lines of a dildo have to be mutually exclusive. I just don't understand that premise. Well, I don't think that's our premise. I think we're just kind of making fun of kind of like college liberals, at least in my mind. You know, just oh, so you think of, it's satirical? The or the holding dildos on campus? I, I do. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you know the story of Cox Not Glocks, which is basically that they were protesting that you can't carry around a phallic object on campus, but does anyone you still use carry the word around phallic? A concealed- it's, it's so uh, literary. That's well. That was the term that was in the rules was phallic object, and they had it was you couldn't carry around a phallic object. So their protest was to say, "Oh, well, we're, we're going to carry around the dildos, but since y'all can have concealed carry, because that, they thought that was more absurd. That's where it came from." So it's not satire. That's that's literally the notion of the liberals that are running this. Right. No, it, yeah. no, it's not satire. The women who buy that concept are literally stupid and not. Yeah, satirical. well, I, I'm saying I perceive it as satirical. I don't think that they're holding dildos because they actually think it's going to help them. I think that them doing that is is ridiculous. We see it as satirical uh, to them. It's yeah. just some misguided sort of idea that like people shouldn't have. <laughs> that was that, yeah. Guns won't saw. protect you. Well, us perceiving it as satirical doesn't mean that their intentions are are not satirical. I, I, right. I don't, it's not in, you know, the, it's not in the perceiver. It's not in our minds, you know, whether it's satire or not, it's the intention of them, which you guys are absolutely right. This whole concept is absolutely absurd. And again, they don't need to be mutually exclusive. You can own a dildo and you can also arm yourself. I agree. For one who, and that's spoken for one who has, actually has a nice big dildo. Awesome. You're talking, oh, <laughs> I was like, you're not talking about me. <laughs> no, I do you not. You know it's not me or you. <laughs> Hashtag me too. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> There's no safe space in this room, I'm telling you now. All right, so now let's go to uh, this young lady who is in Georgia, actually, uh, about 50 miles west of Atlanta. At around 11.30 p.m. one night, uh, she went to buy some medicine and tea from a local grocery store. Uh, she was wearing a fluorescent green Nike shirt, and her name is uh, Jayla Gladden. And she walked around the Kroger store posting videos on Snapchat before paying. While she was walking back to her car in the store's parking lot, Gladden said a man asked her for a lighter. She said she didn't have one and continued walking. 
Once she got to her vehicle, Gladden said she felt a knife press against her abdomen, and the, the same man ordered her to get into her car. She said she went in through the driver's seat and climbed to the passenger side. The man asked her if she knew how to get to Atlanta. Well, in an interview uh, with one of the local news stations, Gladden said that for the first time she recounted the harrowing night, she says she was kidnapped and raped by a stranger and how her quick thinking use of her cell phone was instrumental in her rescue. Gladden is sharing her story because she says her ordeal could have been prevented with better security in the parking lot. Uh, This account draws from police reports from departments in Carrollton and Atlanta, unless otherwise noted. And authorities have cha- have charged Timothy Wilson with kidnapping, hijacking a motor vehicle, aggravated assault, rape, aggravated sodomy, false imprisonment, and aggravated assault against a police officer, according to the prison records. He is in jail awaiting trial, and his public defender attorney didn't answer any, any request for comment at all. Uh, so basically what she did was she used her cell phone to ping her boyfriend to let him know that she was in trouble, you know, and at some point, and I've said this many times, you got to take responsibility for your, your own safety. Um, you've, you've got to be aware of your surroundings at all times. If something like that happens, so no man should walk up to you late at night and ask you any questions at all, uh, to be honest with you, because they're up to something, they're up to no good. And at that point, something should have, you know, said, whoa, something's not right. Why are you asking me outside in the parking lot for a lighter when you can walk into the Kroger store and buy yourself a lighter? Maybe because he had to walk. (laughs) Well, let's let's also just talk about safety for a second. You're walking around at night and you've got a smartphone. Keep your finger on your side button. It's five clicks and then you slide it. um, And it will call emergency response then and there. You should have that alongside of your hand on your Near, at least near your weapon if you're walking alone at night. That's just the, practical. The side button or the home button? It's the side button, isn't it? The closing button? The lock button the on lock the button. iPhone. It's on the iPhone. I don't know on the other phones, but I'm pretty sure all smartphones have a feature. And if you're by yourself at night, that's just being smart. I think you can also say, hey, Siri, call. I'm not even going to say it right now because I'm afraid that... It's actually going to be called. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I just. <laughs> I'm happy I didn't say the whole number, but. So you can say, hey, Siri, dial 911, and it would actually call 911? Uh, possibly. I'm not, I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> so if you need to be discreet, if you have it in your pocket, that moving your thumb, that's easy. Siri's mean. I don't think yeah. I'd be that lucky. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's go, uh, let's go to the Facebook Live here. There's uh, Skip Davis, who's an attorney in, in Austin. Um, is saying it is an APD failure to prioritize the investigation of rape allegations. Um, and I guess he was addressing that that question to you. Okay. Well, it, 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 it's the DA's responsibility to prioritize um, uh, investigations and make decisions of whether they are or are not going to prosecute. And then that drives, you know, the APD's leaderships to make decisions on certain things. Uh, those were encumbrances that I did not have. Uh, as a supervisory special agent in the Department of the Army. Uh, we, we pretty much had, uh, uh, I don't want to say unlimited funds, but we were never told no when we needed to do something in investigation. Um, however, uh, it, that does not limit APD's ability to send uh, rape kits to the lab for analysis and to have any foreign DNA entered in a CODIS uh, for references in future investigations. 
Okay. All right. All right. And then let's let's go back to Chicago. Um, now we have uh, there are a lot of people around the country that are pushing gun control, and the problem is what what I see in a lot of debates uh, when we discuss this is a lot of people don't know the laws that we actually have on the books. They're just very unaware of what laws that actually exist out there. And they're talking about, hey, we should do this. Whenever some type of shooting happens, uh, they want to talk about banning something in particular that would never have stopped that particular crime. And we we're, we never talk about enforcing the laws that we already have on the books. So I, I'd like to ask you guys thoughts on that. You know, what are your thoughts about when there's a some type of shooting where a certain amount of people are killed in one particular area? Because I think, Max, you have this running um, spreadsheet or something that you have uh, with uh, different types of shootings or something like that. I do. Well, just I I just completely stopped trusting the, the, the media and all the figures that I got. And also Google, unfortunately, which is like the gatekeeper of all information. So and the whole thing started with just and it was just an honest question on my part. I was like, I wonder, they always say, you know, uh, Islamic people don't cause, you know, that many deaths from terrorism. That's just the way the news covers it. And I was like, well, I just want to run like my own, at least just look at all the deaths that have occurred in the U.S. uh, in the last, I think, since 1980. And and, nine out of 10 were. And it was and in the end, because when uh, when I Googled like what percentage of of terrorist attacks in the U.S. are Islamic, it's all like, you know. Like, you know, surprise hate mongers, it's only 4%. And I'm like, are you? But I, I, I think the way they do it is that they also count like acts of vandalism. So like 9-11 is weighed equally with someone like, like you know, like uh, graffitiing a church. Like those two things are on the same level. So in, in my case, I was just looking at fatalities and I added them all up and I looked at each different group and 94% of all the fatalities uh, were committed by Islamic terrorists. That's right. And in my experience, and I said this after the Sutherland Springs shooting, uh, there is a very crass, cynical, um, almost uh, almost totally emotionless uh, quality on the left in America where they jump immediately not to not to express concern for the victims of shootings and the tragedy that has befallen their families, but how they can package gun control, how they can package new restrictions on our basic freedom to carry uh, defensive weapons. And we saw that with Sutherland Springs. We've seen it. Oh, President Obama's last speech to the American people uh, before leaving, his big farewell uh, with salivating superfans uh, in tow, uh, where he essentially said, I'm paraphrasing here, but this is almost a direct quote, that there were no new terrorist attacks under his administration and that all that stuff that happened, like with Omar Mateen, the DHS hired, had that happen, or in San Bernardino, that wasn't a terrorist attack. It's all how you define it. And as we've seen over the last 20 years, the left is very creative at defining things. Their definition of an assault weapon, Michael, is uh, it's pretty broad. So. so they want to bend the truth, and hiding the truth is anything but respect from the families. Mm, okay. What do you get? What do you got? What do you think? It's all bad. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all bad. Just all bad. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, in this this little re- uh, report that I'm looking at, it says another firearm crime, another call for more gun laws, laws that would do nothing to reduce crime, but would make it more difficult for law-abiding people to acquire guns for sport or defense. 
Now, this time, one mainstream media outlet actually made that point. And this guy is uh, Paul Mischik. Uh, he's a reporter for The Morning Call. He isn't always on the right side of the gun debate. But in a recent Watchdog column, he actually brought a key argument to light. The reality is this. People who want a gun have many ways to get one. They can borrow one from a relative or a friend. They can steal one. They can buy one illegally on the street. And he also continues by saying that, you know, after the Justin Kephart killed his mother and fired more than 100 rounds during a standoff with police in December, too many people look at laws a, as a way to stop crime. Laws instead should be viewed as a way to punish those who commit crime. And yet that reality hasn't stopped people from calling for more restrictions that would make it harder for a law-abiding citizen to get a gun. And has a, any anti-gunner really stopped to think about the fact that when bad guys realize they want be punished, that gives them, you know, a, a freer reign to commit their misdeeds. And that brings us to the second half of the equation. If jurisdictions were to enforce the laws that are already on the books, communities would be able to reduce the incidence of crime. Now, we've seen it happen before. And look at Richmond, Virginia. In the mid-1990s, Richmond, uh, the, the Virginia's capital city, had one of the highest murder rates for a city its size. Now, instead of politicians wringing their hands and saying the homicide problem required more gun control, in 1997, the city instituted a Project Exile, a, a program marked by aggressive prosecution of armed criminals. The result... The number of homicides dropped by 45% and armed robberies dropped by 30% in just one year. We come back from the break. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about a little more. Going to go back to the Sullivan Springs shooting. Because um, I want to get back into the head. I've had a little time to think about this. I want to get into the head of um, the investigator here and say, you know, really, was it really something that was targeted at a particular family? And everyone else is actually forgetting this because I want to find out a little more about this family where generations, three generations were actually taken out uh, during this particular shooting. So we'll talk about that in a little more. We come back from the break. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Doug Man Jones. And I get my gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. When I was a little boy, the devil called my name. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. Who you think you're fooling out there? I see you. All right. So uh, let's go to the Texas State Capitol. Guess what? Bricks, gas, masks, flame, torches, among items banned from the Texas Capitol. You know, the Texas Department of Public Safety is taking a stand against people who incite violence at the state capitol. They're saying, hey. Enough is enough. It's got to stop. You're not going to go to the Texas State Capitol and have some type of protest dress for battle. It's going to stop. So in the, 
In a statement released by the Texas Department of Public Safety, it says that they are now implementing certain security measures at the Texas Capitol Complex and Capitol Grounds to enhance safety. These measures are aimed at preventing violent confrontations during protests and demonstrations, maintaining order, and protecting all Capitol visitors from injury or infringement of constitutional rights. It has been observed that some individuals or groups seek violent confrontations during protests and equip themselves for physical combat to ensure the safety and security of the general public and those who seek to exercise their right to peacefully assemble and protest effective immediately. Certain items may be prohibited from the Capitol grounds unless worn or carried by a licensed peace officer. Any item manifested, designed, made, or adapted for the purpose of preparing a person to engage in physical combat may be prohibited, including but not limited to firearms and other deadly weapons, except when authorized under the license to carry authority. So if you have your license to carry handgun, then you can have your handgun and whatever else is associated with that. In prison, I'm sorry, improvised items used to lock a person to another person or object. Uh, plastic bottles containing alcohol or non-consumable substances and open flame torches. What is an open flame torch? Are we talking about a flamethrower? I'm just curious tiki about Tiki torch? Ah, oh, those tiki torches. Oh, that's right. Because of uh, West Virginia. You, you've seen, oh, yeah, you've seen all the cartoons of mobs with the torches, just not tiki, tiki torches. That's just the cliche. Okay, okay. Uh, metal signs. <laughs> Uh, metal, plastic, and wood objects longer than 12 inches. What is up with the 12 inches? That's Just more than right people side. can handle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sticks or other objects with protruding nails. Uh, balloons not filled with air, oxygen, or helium. Bricks, stones, or rocks. Are cocks on that list? Uh, abortion protests a few years back. Uh, pro-choicers were caught attempting to throw feces. Yes, you heard me. Uh, at state centers. So uh, what about that? Uh, well, it's funny you say that because then they add projectile launchers, including water cannons, spray paint cans, gas masks or similar equipment, glass bottles, hammers, crowbars, and also toxic fluid, gas or solids in any container, mm-hmm. improvised shields, helmets, drones, pepper spray, and tasers. So additionally, citizens have the right to counter-protest, but within the Capitol complex, they must do so at a distance sufficient to avoid physical altercations. As it is a standard practice, DPS law enforcement officers will maintain enforcement discretion related to these new measures and may determine whether a reasonable public safety threat exists on a case-by-case basis. So, and I think this is reasonable because you have people like the organizations like Antifa or Antifa whatever you want to call them I call them Antifa because they don't like you know like it pronounced that way so <laughs> you know they are dressed for combat and trying to incite some type of violence so what do you expect was going to happen what do you think DPS was going to do you know when you this type of behavior you know is you know at the capital complex well let's, let's be real that I disagree on the blunt weapons thing such as maces and stuff different if we're going to say people can carry a knife. Now, when they say as, mace, here's what they're talking about. A mace is a stick um, that has like a nails on it or something like that. That's a mace. So they're not talking about pepper spray. It's like so a ball with a yeah. spikes. Yeah, so they're talking yeah. like but a stick with a ball on a it. A real mace or, shouldn't have spikes on it. A mace is just a large 
It's basically like a hammer, yeah. but it's just a ball. Um, right. Spikes can be in it. There's it's like a lot of different variations <laughs> of that, but yeah, those are amazing. Not pepper spray or something like that, but go ahead. But if they're not brandishing it, if they've got it on their belt and that's their weapon they choose. Actually, that is illegal in a Texas law, so you can't but have no, a I'm, mace. I'm asking on the right of the people shall not be infringed to bear arms, keep but and bear arms. the only people that can regulate arms are is going, in the state of Texas is going to be the legislature, and they said that, hey. Well, no, that's the right of the people. This is... What does number two say? It doesn't matter because then it goes to the state. You have states' rights. And the state of Texas has said this is the law in the state of Texas. And Their legislature. And the 14th Amendment also says that we have the same regulations get passed down. The constitutional regulations get passed down to the state level. You're, gonna, you're not going to have there's it both a, ways. There's a third uh, factor here that's not being addressed, and that is that the judges don't give a flying flip what the Constitution <laughs> was intended to say, actually says. Uh, they, they pretty much just uh, decide what it says, and that changes with uh, uh, Justice Ginsburg's, um, you know, moods so i i really think uh, there's there's no way we can actually have a serious discussion about the law because state and federal law have to change all the time to suit the whims of nine unelected people agreed and i'm, I'm just giving you a hard time but it's as the the whole point of the constitution is to limit our government state or not it's to limit the government which i think is a great purpose that we need to have it's to limit the government from infringing on our rights you think this is infringement on your rights if that's my weapon, I choose to, because there's also that's just different people. They're a different weapon. Now, I don't think they should be walking around brandishing well, it. Well, just because so you know, it's a class A misdemeanor. It's always been a class A misdemeanor to walk around with a mace. You can only have a mace at home, to and from your home, your vehicle inside your vehicle, premises under your control, your place of business, a watercraft, which is a boat, a travel trailer, camp trailer, truck, camp, remote home, horse, or living quarters. That doesn't mean Not it's at the Texas the state law. Capital. Just because it's law doesn't mean it's always ethical. Granted, I don't like Antifa. By any means, okay. but that does not mean it's ethical. And clearly Antifa, when they are doing this, they're out for violence because that's their goal. Yeah, because they're a terrorist organization. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts about Antifa? Antifa. Antifa or Antifa? Or Antifa? The, the, the fascists. The terrorist organization. The actual fascists. I'm about as scared of them as I am my auntie fa. <laughs> <laughs> well, they uh, they lost me with those ninja though. outfits. Those ninja outfits are so ridiculous. It's hard to take them seriously. I think they actually, I mean, I don't think that, you know, they're necessarily scary individually. But, I mean, like, I think that the fact that the media just completely covers for them. And, well, we've got uh, a Whoopi Goldberg says that they don't exist; that they're just like some some Breitbart conspiracy. I've, and, and I've it, seen an interview from an Antifa leader on Fox News, and he calls himself an anarch. Well, he said he's a really skinny guy with capitalist the super and then neck. communist. So I think he tried to brandish a bad name. But this is something that needs to be taken seriously with the rise of communism, and that is happening in America right now. Because let's be real; that's the end goal is they want communism. Yeah. I think every Republican just wants Democrats or liberals to admit that they're communists. Like that's just almost everything I talk about with them always comes down to, can you just admit that you think that socialism and, or, you know, they'll use the word socialism, but I want you just to admit that you think socialism is a better system than capitalism. Well, we're, we're playing historical musical chairs here with the liberals because now they're Joseph McCarthy and uh, everything's about Russia, Russia collusion. I mean, we should uh, reamp that whole, uh, that, what was that movie? The Russians are coming. I think that needs to be done over again because the left has now become their own cliche. Yeah, that to me is the fantastic irony of this Russia thing is that we've all learned about, you know, Joseph McCarthy and that witch hunt back in the day. And it's exactly the same thing with even less evidence. None. None. 
And then let's go to let's let's talk about the Southern Springs going to change gears again. Um, Southern Springs. So. How do we know what evidence do we have that this particular family was the family that was actually targeted instead of what the the mainstream media and everyone else is saying? That uh, the eighth generations were all targeted altogether? Yes. Again, we'd have to look at the forensics. The forensics would really prove that they were specifically targeted. We got to look at the injuries. But the fact that the entire generation uh, – You're saying the just because three, the entire generation, three generations were killed, they, they had to be targeted versus – I believe else. so. I believe so. And that's the only thing you're going with? No. I mean, again, you'd have to look at the ballistics. You'd have to look at the forensics. I mean, there's a lot of things that we're missing. We're looking at trajectory analysis. We're looking at the position of the bodies when they were shot. We're looking at the wound characteristics. There's a lot missing. Now tell me, who is the family? Who are they and who are they in the community? That's what I want to know. The Holcombs and... uh, Who are are the Holcombs and why... The the Holcombs in Texas apparently go way, way back, along with a lot of other family names. I don't know if they went back as far as the uh, the Battle of the Alamo, but they definitely have deep roots in Texas. So who would gain from killing the entire generation? That's what we don't know, and that's why Ron is right, and we need more investigation. Well, that that's going to be the fly on the wall, you well, know, because it's got to be a motive. So who would benefit from this? We need people talking about these shootings again, too. I mean, why is that? that? When's the last time you really heard Sutherland Springs brought up again? Exactly on the mainstream. What about the Vegas shooting? That's gotten buried. Well, we we don't even, we're not even getting details out of Las Vegas at all. So I, really, why are we not talking about these? Why are we not getting any updates on new evidence being released or anything? Or any security footage from one of the largest casinos in Las Vegas, which probably has security cameras covering the entire premises. Not even probably. They have the best security cameras in the in the country in and Las yet, Vegas. None of us have seen the footage. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I used to talk to my agents a lot about what, what I call perspective distortion, and that's perspective distortion in investigation. So, for example, it's my personal background. It's my personal experiences. Um, that I bring to the table. So, you know, if I have certain biases towards a, a certain ethnic group or ter- towards a certain gender, I, I inherently and, and subconsciously bring that into the investigation. And that kind of goes back to what I was talking about, pigeonhole in an investigation. Let's take something simple like a sex assault or a rape. If I go into a room and I've already got a bias that, uh, you know, women lie, she was dressed uh, a certain way, so she wanted to get raped. How objective and unbiased do you think my investigation is going to be? And it's the same thing with 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 any type of murder. Um, And it goes back to this, the serial um, uh, murders and sex assaults you were talking about earlier up in Chicago. Um, You know, well, this person was a druggie. How much time and effort do I want to put towards this investigation? How thoroughly am I going to process the crime scene? Am I going to canvas interview everybody when I've got 14 other 911 calls that I need to respond to this night? Mm. These are all the realities um, not placing blame on anybody. It's just part of the system um, that we need to prioritize. But again, you know, if I carry, if if you don't understand your personal background, whether it's religion, whether you were, were whether you were abused as a child, and how do you look at a child abuse cases when you investigate them? Are you more amped up because you were abused as a child? Mm. Um, I, as a supervisor and senior special agent, I would be aware of all of my agents' biases to the best of my ability. So at least I knew if it was kind of coming through in their investigative work. All right. So Donald Rutledge, you say that uh, you like the slide fire. Well, we're going to talk about that next show because we totally missed it on this show. Totally forgot (laughs) about it. Uh, Jack Kinney, you say socialism, communism and fascism. They're all the same cakes, just different icing. Uh, (laughs) Nationalist Socialist Party. 
All right, so we're talking <laughs> about that and current events, uh, talking about the uh, sexual assault at UT campus. We also talked about the Southern Springs shooting. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is State Representative Jonathan Sticklin, and you are listening to Come and Talk It on Talk 1370. Making talk radio great again. Somebody has to come out and tell it like it is. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so the update out of the University of Texas um, campus about this person that was of interest or someone they were looking for. They Apparently, the UT Austin police called off the investigation of an assault near West Campus. So the update is Austin police say they are no longer investigating the report of a woman held against her will by a naked man near the UT campus. Um, Sunday since they were unable to locate either the victim or suspect. So that's been called off. So that alert that went out at 2 o'clock this afternoon has been all called off. And so let's go back to the Southern Springs. Um, You you found something on the family in Southern Springs? One of the families? Well, I mean, that can be a rabbit trail. I I just want to close by saying that, again, the family that that, uh, lost three generations and nine people, including the unborn baby, are a prominent Texas family. It just takes some quick Googling to find out how and in what way. And it, there, there are any number of possible reasons that they would have been at the center of something and, uh, and you know, targeted in this way. So it does bear, uh, does bear further investigation, and uh, it's chicken or egg. We won't know what we don't know until we start looking for it. Okay. No, you know, you know, when I look at things uh, uh, from a law enforcement perspective, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at how the crime scene was processed. And I might have a little experience with, uh, with major crime scene processing uh, from an ancillary perspective. I, I might have been involved with a little small shooting up in Fort Hood in 2009 that hit the media. I've also run a bunch of uh, joint task force investigations with the FBI, our agency, and a number of others on some some uh, mass killings out at uh, the Fort Bragg area years ago. Uh, so I understand what it's like to manage these types of investigations. It's it's a very emotional toll. It's an emotional toll in a community. It's an emotional toll in law enforcement, especially in these small communities, because they know who these people are and who they're investigating. They're, they're part of their communities. So I understand the challenges of bringing in, uh, uh, you know, the resources necessary and providing a comprehensive, you know, crime scene examination. Uh, but it's the crime scene exam that I, I, I worry about. You know, how thorough was it? You know, was was a bullet trajectory done? Uh, how thoroughly were body positions documented? And how was that correlated by the medical examiner with with the um, entrance and exit wounds, or if they were, they were exit wounds at all. Sometimes there's entr- entrance wounds and no exit wounds. There's a, there's a lot uh, to ballistics. Um, so it's really the, the comprehensive approach to the investigative process. Um, you know, and are all theories on the table? Have they investigated every possible theory that's come to mind, or have they pigeonholed themselves into a specific theory because it's a convenient, um, you know, it arrives at a convenient outcome? 
Um, I mean, there's a lot of theories out there. Uh, you got to take the most uh, uh, plausible ones and and either rule them in or rule them out. Period. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens because um, I'm just you know, I'm not set on that yet because I'm I'm still stuck on I guess what they said initially with you know with how this investigation actually came out. So we'll see as this develops, then maybe I'll I'll change my mind or something like that and feel differently. Uh, so we'll see. But asking questions, that's the premise of science. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Ken Schmidt says, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. He says, you're right, Ryan, that the second is the right of the people, not the states. That's all I have to say. That's it. That's it. (laughs) Whatever. States' rights. You know, states also have a right also. I'm just calling you out on if you're being a hypocrite. I'm not being a hypocrite. And we can be. That's just human nature. We do that. How much the states also have power as well. So you're saying that it's just the Constitution and the states have no rights whatsoever? The Constitution has now limited the state governments as well. And that's the point of the document of the Constitution is to limit the government in itself. If that's true, then you wouldn't have uh, an LTC program. If that's true, we wouldn't have the laws that we have on the books right now. The so purpose, obviously that's not true. The purpose of the federal government, according to the Constitution and its framers, is to limit the power and growth of the federal, national, central government. Uh, it's to expand. Later and, amendments and, change that. Uh, actually, uh, in the first 10, uh, I believe you'll find the 10th amendment is the principle by which state rights, states' rights are still viewed. And it's the principle that the, the courts still use. And it gives states everything that the federal government is not given by the Constitution. We've, we've ignored that. We've allowed that to kind of be trampled. But uh, I would encourage you to look at the 10th. There's a big movement behind it right now. There's, there's, I'm just saying there's more, and that's changed. Um, I'm not saying that has not been true in the past. There was a – I forget the name of the case, but it had to do with the levy. Um, and that was clearly a, a prime example of you know that the states didn't win out, and they said, yes, we have these rights. But there's – Just eat totters haven't touched it in a while. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> it, uh, it seesaws back and forth. That's the nature of America. It's organic. And frankly, at least as conservatives, we believe it should be organic with amendments. Uh, libs believe it should be organic when the wind changes. And I just believe in limiting the government as much as possible. In all <laughs> forms. <laughs> here, here. I second that. Why? I third that. So, well, ladies, give me your perspective. Um, I, I mean, I go with Ryan on this because um, even though I, I am a states' right advocate until – you know, the individual right is is being infringed upon because, um, you know, uh, the individual is the greatest minority. And therefore, that has to be the, you know, the, the entity that um, that ha- uh, excuse me, the entity of the individual needs to hold their rights and needs to keep their rights from any form of government. Um, I, I mean, I think all the points have already been stated. It's just a matter of what you value more, the rights of the states over the federal government or the rights of the individual over the federal or state government and i stick with the individual or local <laughs> or local my vote's always for the individual the other governments can sit down shut up and let us take care of things all right and you there's a there's a debate that's coming up you want to tell us about Yes, so the Hill Country Young Republicans and KTSW 89.9 out of Texas State University are hosting um, an HD45 event that covers Hayes and Blanco County. I have confirmations from three of the four candidates. The fourth candidate decided to bail on the university students for his fundraiser. Um, You'll know when I release a press release on Tuesday. So who are the candidates in this race? And, so, I, and I'll, I'll figure it out in a matter of seconds. <laughs> we There are five candidates on the Secretary of State website. Okay. Austin Talley, Amber Pierce, Naomi Narvaez, 
Amy Akers and Ken Strange. Naomi Navais. That's the person that's not coming. You can have some more information on Tuesday <laughs> when say, I send out my press say release. Those candidates name to me one more time. Amy Akers, uh-huh. Naomi Navais, Austin Talley, Amber Pierce, and Ken Strange. Naomi Navais. That's what comes up. That's got to be the person that's backing out of it. I'm going to guess Amy, even though I don't know any of them. I'm saying Naomi Navais. I think Amy's already dropped out. She's just listed on the Secretary of State website. Yeah. So she's dropped out. Okay. I was just guessing. So Naomi is the one that's not going, that's, that's backing out. That's not Naomi. That's not Naomi? It's not Naomi, and I can give you some more information on Tuesday. Okay. Well, now we're down to three possible <laughs> hmm. contenders. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. What, what, and on Ryan, what are the Libertarians doing this week? This week... I don't have anything. Ex- oh, there was a candidate forum today up in Tarrant County. That was our big thing going on. But and we're going to try to get the the governor candidates for the Libertarian Party on the show. We are hoping for February twenty fifth, um, and that is after the Liberty. It's going to be a, liber- a Libertarian governor to date that Saturday up. Because uh, how many candidates are the, uh, that are on the Libertarian ticket? We've got four. We've got Patrick Smith, Corey Watkins, Kathy Glass, and Mark Tippett. Okay. All right, so we'll get a chance to get all of them inside the studio, hopefully. Yes. So, right, so we're going to have all the Libertarian candidates inside the studio. We're going to try and do that the same weekend. It's something you have a speaking gig at on a Saturday, that same weekend as well. Okay. Apparently I do. I'll check my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things going on. hope it's not Saturday too early in the day because I teach class every Saturday. And and also, this weekend is Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday. You know, And I like to teach a Lights to Carry course on Dr. King's birthday because Dr. King could not get a handgun license. So I like to make sure that I teach a class on that day so that, you know, as many people as possible can, you know, do what he could not do, what he was denied from doing. So I try to do that every Dr. King holiday. Make sure I teach a life to carry handgun course. So as always out there, I want you guys to if you're sitting, you know, you're sitting on I-35 right now, you're stuck in traffic. Uh, you're, you know, because there's a lot of traffic out there. You're sitting on slow pack. It's looking beautiful though, so definitely keep this in mind. It's gonna snow on Tuesday again. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna snow on Tuesday. I've never seen two snows in a Texas. Bring in the plants. This. Al Gore might have been right. Bring in the plants. It's gonna snow. Tuesday's coming. There's signs. There are billboards right now. Said there's a freeze warning. I don't know. It's I, it's. I guess it's gonna happen Monday night or something. But yeah, it's gonna snow on Tuesday. Which means it's probably not going to snow. It's just going to be really cold. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. And when All right. Is it today again? Oh yeah. Sunday. Today is okay. yeah. Today's Sunday. You know, stay with us. Putting it all together. Then. Yeah. Stay with us. Today's Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> You've got another minute. You can make it. Right. You can. You can do it. Hang in there. It's going to be okay. You'll be Monday. Are you off for tomorrow? Uh, no. Actually, this is uh, the only day I've had off this entire week, and then I work another six days. Oh wow, so that's I'm awesome! I work seven days a week, so I don't feel sorry for you. Yeah, I mean, but my job's kind of really intense and stimulating, uh, and whatever it's different. But you, you sit down all day. I've also been working overtime and nights. So I mean, I I, I worked yesterday. I worked till ten o'clock at all right, night. We'll talk about it. When we get to the bar. As always, more guns <laughs> equals less crime. Go out and buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.